I'm Veronica Combs, and this is the Quantum Spin by HKA Marketing Communications. I have a, a great guest with me. Nardo Menalotto has Quantum Venture to help startups get into the healthcare space. This year, at Q2B, Nardo is giving away $100,000. His Qubit Ventures is hosting the Quantum Startup Pitch Competition. Finalists will pitch their company's quantum solutions to investors during a live session. That will be a really cool part of the show this year. Uh, please join me in welcoming Nardo Menalotto to the Quantum Spin. Thanks, Veronica. Glad to be here and uh, happy to uh, hopefully get to share my insights in both the quantum and healthcare space, and even the startup space too. Three challenging dimensions of business, healthcare, quantum, and startups. <laughs> Managing partner of Qubit Ventures, also work with Techstars, work with Kaiser Permanente, the CEO of Catalyze, which helps companies connect the dots between all these technologies. So you have a really fascinating background. Um, what led you to found Qubits Ventures? Uh, when I was uh, first thinking about uh, creating this fund, uh, through my work in Catalyze and working with investors, technology companies, and corporations, uh, I've done quite a bit of work in that space and trying to promote the success of uh, each of these stakeholders to make something happen uh, in, in when it comes to solutions and technology that can hopefully change the healthcare world. And a big part of that uh, strategy was to put a fund together. So, but since I'm a computer scientist, uh, I did a lot of work in AI and about four or five years ago, I started learning about quantum machine learning. And that's when I discovered and said, oh, wow, quantum machine learning. I think that's the next generation of things that can help healthcare because we have so many data to process. We have so many deficits when it comes to legacy systems. We have so many deficits in terms of the amount of resources that we have. So I said, okay, this is the area that I'm going to go into. When I first did, thought about the fund, my initial thesis was uh, uh, quantum in healthcare. I wanted to build a fund specific for quantum in healthcare. And as I look at the deal flow of the number of tech companies in that space, I only found seven or eight. <laughs> so I said, I think, I don't think I create a, a specific fund uh, you know, that is targeting that industry. But if I create a sector agnostic fund that looks into quantum technologies across the board, then all of that could be cross-pollinated into healthcare and hopefully that helps healthcare. So tell us about a couple of your portfolio companies. How are they using quantum to help healthcare? One company is a company called QC82. And what they are, uh, they are a room temperature photonic chip for scalable universal quantum computing. So the, so this kind of a technology, you know, building a quantum chip and quantum computer is very, very hard. Uh, yes. This startup uh, has five founders and four of them are professors out of University of Virginia. Their first product will be more of a dual photon detector. Second is an integrated photonic chip. And the third would of course be photonics quantum computer. So the hope here is to create a room temperature quantum computer that you could actually use in healthcare scenarios to start addressing uh, healthcare data processing, you know, uh, personalization of care, mm -hmm. uh, and, and any of the uh, high-level compute incentive AI workloads that's in healthcare. The other one uh, is a, a new uh, a new investment of mine. It's a Caltech spinoff uh, that is uh, founded by a professor. This company called Pink. It's a really an innovative proprietary nonlinear photonic device. Uh, 
uh, that basically creates a universal laser uh, that you could wow. that's miniaturized that you could use in medical devices, you could use in uh, consumer devices, uh, and many other scenarios. So that that one's quite exciting for me. I know that one one stumbling block sometimes for entrepreneurs with that deep expertise is is sort of talking about their uh, talking about their work in a way that you know non experts can understand and, and you think a lot about elevator pitches when you're talking about startups and and um, I wonder do you provide a lot of coaching on on how to communicate about their work and how to you know not immediately get into the super complex technical topics and stay sort of at the the promise of the technology or the use cases. One of the things that I always like to say with startups is you fall in love with the problem. And basically, you know, what, why you exist is to solve that problem, right? In a really good way. And a lot of startups, you know, the, the first thing that they do is like, because they come from a scientific and technical background and they love building things and they love the shiny widget and things like that. They go into solutioning right away without really knowing what the problem really looks like, right? So I. I coach a lot of them from, from that standpoint. And, and then the, the other part that I also like talking to them about, there's a reason why you're, you have two ears. <laughs> uh, it's basically to listen, right? To listen more than, you know, than to talk more. So the listening aspect of uh, somebody who listens to their customers, somebody that listens uh, to experiences of people and trying to really understand all of the different angles of what that problem can look like for many different stakeholders it, it is the kind of person that I'd like to have because from a technology and science standpoint, they know what to do. I think sometimes PowerPoints fall into that same sort of communication trap of, you know, please don't fill a slide with text and read it to me, you know, focus on, you know, the problem you're solving or the people you could help or the, you know, the gap in a, in a particular service. Um, do you have any, any thoughts of <laughs> any memories of bad PowerPoints or any advice on how to avoid that, that fate <laughs> death by PowerPoint? Yeah. And I think, you know, the interesting thing about, uh, you know, if you take a look at the backgrounds of scientists and researchers, they're great background. They're so good with writing research papers and they have a to explain the science and, and things like that. And sometimes that gets translated into the PowerPoint and it becomes a, a technical, uh, it's a PowerPoint version of their technical paper, right? Uh, so, so so when you create a startup, you know, you have to really be cognizant about who the audience is. And, and the, the second piece to it is you, you have to really become good at the emotional connection that you can make when you're telling a story with this PowerPoint. Because at the end of the day, the person that knows the problem and that can create an emotional connection towards that problem and how they're solving it and how they're changing the world and making it better is the one that's going to succeed, right? The other thing that I'd like to see is here are the impact from a experience perspective of how mm. I'm solving the problems. Here's the impact from a market standpoint. Here's the impact from a business standpoint. So the impact component is important uh, and people need to actually show that. That impact part is, is so important. I used to, <clears throat> when I wrote about healthcare full-time, I would always ask an entrepreneur working on a particular topic, you know, have you ever talked to a patient with that particular condition? Or do you know what nurses are trying to get from this particular visit? You know, you really have to understand that impact to, to be able to implement something or, or build, like you said, build a solution that someone needs, not just the one that you, you think is cool. <laughs> so last year, uh, you and I were on a panel together at Q2B and one of our fellow panelists was Dr. Charles Bruce, and he is the 
Chief Innovation Officer at Mayo Clinic's Florida campus. And, you know, I don't think I'd ever seen a doctor so excited about quantum technology. And he just really saw the promise and he knew all the data problems. And like you said, he was in there dealing with the systems and the limitations and wanting to do something with this data. And I thought, wow, what a great champion. You, you really have to find those internal people who who see both sides of it, right? They know the healthcare side, but then they see the promise of the technology and they're they're willing to work and get things done. So I'm curious, um, how do you spot someone like that? Or do you cultivate those internal champions? How do you how do you find more Dr. Bruce's in healthcare? You need people that will basically uh, brave the, uh, you know, the whole change management aspect of innovation and advocacy for technologies and, and things like that, right? The other part of it is uh, when it comes to change, it's not just about Let's take a look at the new thing that I could push inside of an enterprise. Let me push AI, let me push uh, quantum in there. I, I think the biggest part of change that we normally don't see are the change where we're actually removing the old legacy systems mm -hmm. uh, that can make room for the new systems. I identify people that are actually uh, uh, interested in removing those legacy systems as well. So that's one portion where there are people that nav naturally gravitate towards change and advocacy and innovation. Quantum computing and its you know future ability to deal with massive amounts of data that makes personalized health seem more accessible to me, or more possible, not not just limited to a few people, but but you know could help everyone regardless of your economic situation. Um, I wonder what other use cases, early use cases, you see in healthcare for quantum computing. Yeah, there, there's definitely a lot, right? So uh, personalized and precision medicine, you know, they, they kind of go hand in hand. The, the thing with personalization, sometimes we get stuck with, oh gosh, it's going to personalize anything and everything for me. That That's not really the goal. So to me, the goal of personalization is at what point do I need to have the right thing done to me at the right specific moment, right? And personalized to what, you know, based on certain conditions that I have. It's not like, oh, let me lay out an entire path of uh, things for you to do uh, so you could, uh, you know, so that, that pretty much gives you an entire care plan for your life. That's, <laughs> although it's a great goal, it, it's not really uh, realistic, right? Uh, some of the treatment I have in the healthcare space, especially in the quantum, it, it's the area of uh, quantum sensors. So quantum sensing is, is a, a closer technology that could deploy, get deployed out there. We already have examples uh, in, in companies and in startup companies doing EEG using quantum magnetometers, where they are looking at, you know, uh, brain waves and brain signals and electronic signals and neuron sparks uh, going across the brain and looking at where uh, bottlenecks are for the purpose of uh, uh, neural disease diagnostics. So, and, and the level of precision, the level of accuracy is much better than the current sensor. So I am very interested in that. And the other angle that I also wanted to share is, you know, when we think of healthcare, we always think of healthcare as like, oh, it's all about the clinical aspect of healthcare. That is absolutely not true, right? Healthcare is a business too. So we also have to take a look at the operation side of things. We have to look, take a look at the financial aspect of uh, healthcare. Uh, a, a few of the more favorite things I'd like to see happen in healthcare are uh, a supply chain and logistics could be improved. Uh, those doing things in the lab and pharma and delivery space, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on there. 
uh, we could never get nurse scheduling right in, in a good way, right? So we see quantum machine learning from an optimization standpoint uh, also apply to nurse scheduling. So there are things that can help healthcare from, uh, you know, from a operations perspective that also can impact clinical care. The last thing is um, we have a lot of resources, uh, you know, human resources that, that are just overworked in this space. So if we could use uh, the, the, you know, the concept of, uh, you know, what I call intelligent avatars that works in both a quantum uh, and AI perspective to help extend that level of care to people, then I think I, I am definitely for the use of that. And I think I read recently that sometimes with certain sensitive health questions, people would rather talk to a bot than a human, right? Maybe there's less, less, you know, uncomfortableness or nervousness or shame. And so that, you know, calling up someone to ask about that weird rash on your arm might, <laughs> might, might be even better powered by, by a quantum uh, machine learning, as you mentioned. Um, and I saw recently that uh, what the average annual cost for Medicare patients went down a little bit, right? Or the growth hasn't been as fast. And, and a couple analysts were like, we don't know why. So <laughs> as you mentioned, maybe, maybe quantum computing can help us figure out some of the cost dynamics in healthcare, which are boring, but obviously very important and, and sometimes hard to understand. Yeah, I, I think I have hopes there too, right? Just because uh, cost, uh, cost and pricing, uh, optimization, it, it's a very, very hard thing to do. So hopefully this technology, you know, quantum and AI combination would help us uh, you know, create better solutions. So I mentioned that you're a managing partner at Qubit Ventures. You also work with an accelerator, you're an advisor to Techstars, you're the CEO of Catalyze, which is a consulting company. And amid all that work, you still have found time to uh, write a really interesting series of posts on LinkedIn about quantum innovation. I was really fascinated by the scope of topics. You talked about quantum dots and about, I think, uh, some specific healthcare applications. So I'm curious, how do you pick those innovations that you're that you're sharing with, with the world, getting the word out about quantum computing, which we need? <laughs> well, the intent of my LinkedIn post was really, first of all, was to kind of just say, hey, you know, I want to prove to the world that uh, the quantum, the innovation and the discoveries and inventions happening in quantum is in a rapid pace. And, and the only way I could try and do that is say, you know, if I could find a, uh, you know, a, a great group of people that have done really amazing work and they published it, uh, I wanted to kind of shout out about it and see if I could create a post a day uh, just to show that there's a discovery happening uh, every single day. Definitely. I would recommend following Nardo Menaloto on LinkedIn for all of your quantum innovations. Uh, it's a very, very digestible and very It'll pull you right into the world of quantum if you're not here already. So thank you again, Nardo, for all your time. You're welcome, Veronica. Totally had a good time here. That's it for our conversation today. Thanks for joining us.